There's a world outside your window, and it's a world of dread and fear, where the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears and the Christmas bells that ring. There are the clanging chimes of doom. Well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Welcome to the Sixth Demon Bag Holiday Horror Show. A time for wooden ducks. <laughs> Three dust-veiled survivors crouched near the corpse of an abandoned strip mall. Hoyt handed his teenage daughter a glow stick and whispered, Merry Christmas, Phoebe. She rolled her eyes. First, she hated that nickname. The adults had forbidden her from ever using her real name. Second, she had something way better than the dinky glow stick, but she wasn't allowed to use that either. She bundled the glow stick inside her sweatshirt to muffle the snap, knowing it would add new lines to old man Miller's scowl. Zip it, both of ya, Miller groused. Don't give away our position. Phoebe's father unscrewed the cap of a dented milk jug full of water. She dropped it inside to diffuse the glow. Gimme that, Miller said. He kept their meager water supply tightly guarded, and not just because they were in the Nevada desert. They scurried in and out of cover, but it was impossible to avoid the crunch of shattered glass. It covered the sidewalks, parking lots, and streets like a gleaming rime of frost. Miller squinted at the stack of unlit signs above the entrance to the mall. Manicures, auto parts, massage parlor, pawn shop. Where'd that numb skull go? Phoebe pointed. Zack snuck off this way. After sundown... Miller shook his head. If we find him alive, I might kill him myself. The constant gnawing of the cold desert wind shifted, trembling with the disturbance of some unseen pressure. Hoyt ducked and scanned the sky. Drone? Phoebe hid behind him. Sounds deeper. A quadcopter arced over the roof of the strip mall straight for her father. The deep growl they'd heard came from the chainsaw mounted beneath it. Miller screamed, Get down! Diving like a war hero on a grenade. Phoebe squeezed her eyes shut. The ravenous blade sputtered as they chewed open-mouthed and overflowing with juices. Hoyt gasped, I owe you one. More like twelve, Miller wheezed. But who's counting? Phoebe opened her eyes, shocked to see Miller in one piece. The drone twitched in a sparking heap. The shredded jug bled a gallon of water onto the asphalt. They frantically kicked whatever sand and garbage they could find over the spreading puddle. Miller wiped his hands. Let's not press our luck, huh? Zack knew the risks. Hoyt folded his arms across his chest. He has kids waiting back at camp. Yeah, well I got a bottle of Old Crow waiting for me. Phoebe pulled his hand. But it's Christmas. Miller coughed. Calm down, kid. It's only Christmas Eve. He grudgingly waved them forward. All right, ten more minutes. Then I'm calling it. Phoebe tiptoed through the heaps of rubble trailing from the mall. There were cell phones, headphones, fashion magazines, and Starbucks cards. Artifacts of a time when everything worked. She still dreamed of that world. It had been so shiny. 
Now everything was dirty, dark, and dumb. Like, literally, dumb. Nobody had smartphones or wore smartwatches or lived in smart homes anymore. Nobody had imagined that stuff would be turned against them either. Phoebe remembered scrolling through the Twitter and seeing the trending news about glitching Fitbits and the people who died from exhaustion while trying to get in a million steps. Then there were those drivers who followed their GPS off a bridge. And of course, those early adopters who got trapped in their VR headsets and eaten alive by Roombas. The rampant hardware malfunction somehow transferred up into the cloud and cascaded across the internet. Social media algorithms turned the national conversation into hate speech. Bots took over comment sections. Spam stuffed email inboxes. Robocalls crashed cell networks. And ransomware paralyzed hospitals. People lost faith in technology, popping the cryptocurrency bubble and tanking the economy. Billions were lost overnight, vanishing along with all those useless NFTs. And then the self-driving cars began the slaughter. A collapsing pile of hubcaps startled Phoebe back to the present. The metallic echo dragged on, wobbling like a drum solo, creeping towards some violent crescendo. A voice croaked above the quivering thrum. Yum, yum. Hoyt screamed, Grimlings! A swarm of stunted green reptilian fiends poured forth from the wreckage. Miller dropped into his shooter stance and blasted away with a six-shot revolver. It bought a few seconds, enough time for Hoyt to drag his daughter clear and get the folding shovel from his pack. He bashed the scampering monsters while Miller reloaded, but none of it put a dent in the mocking laughter. The warty imps cackled with glee, whether they were slashing away with their wicked claws or getting chopped in half by a spade. Several of them carried auto parts rigged up to batteries, honking car horns, waving windshield wipers, and detonating airbags. Miller's pistol chattered as its hammer fell on empty cartridges. A clump of grimlings wrenched Hoyt's shovel from his blood-slick hands. Phoebe brought out her secret weapon. The gremlins scattered, shielding their eyes and shrieking. <laughs> Miller lowered his shaking pistol. Are you out of your daggone mind? Phoebe shouted, hey, I just saved your life. He ripped the flashlight out of her hands. You know this stuff is gremlin bait? Hoyt staggered over. Easy, Miller. No wonder they found us. He chucked the flashlight into the wreckage. Strong light blinded gremlins and sunlight cooked them alive. Still, most survivors stuck with dim chemical glow sticks because the little monsters sniffed out electronics faster than ants found sugar. The gremlins swarmed around technology and used it to create chaos. The first one had appeared in Asia. It was soon discovered that the freakish creatures multiplied whenever they got wet. Unfortunately, this was during monsoon season. After that, there was no more Asia just gremlings. Florida and the Pacific Northwest went pretty much the same way. The deserts and the drought-stricken areas weren't overrun as quickly, but anything within a hundred miles of a nuclear power plant was quickly wiped off the map. Phoebe had always hated the dusty Nevada desert, but she was thankful that it had two things in abundance, solar cells and doomsday preppers. Old Man Miller had saved her father's life and brought them to a camp. 
As long as they buried the solar panels before the gremlins came out at night, the survivors were able to eke out a rough existence. Zack! Hoyt limped over to the pawn shop, where a wild-eyed man emerged from a broken piano case. He stammered, I got away. They were going to eat me, but I escaped. I've been holed up here all night. Miller seized Zack by the straps of his backpack. What the hell were you doing out here? Zack blubbered, eyes darting around the racks of secondhand goods. I just, my kids, they lost their mother this year. I wanted to get them something special. Miller wrenched open the backpack. It was stuffed with RC cars, dolls, and electric toothbrushes. <laughs> A wave of gremlins surrounded the strip mall on e-scooters. One stood taller than the rest, a grinning fiend on a one-wheeled electric skateboard. The jagged mustard-yellow scar across his neck identified him as Zigzag, the cruelest and most cunning member of the Nevada Swarm. The Alpha Grimling had made his base at the Bellagio, transforming its musical fountain into his personal spawning pit. His minions rampaged 24 hours a day inside the casinos, hotels, and arcades of the Las Vegas Strip without fear of ever being exposed to sunlight. He also organized nighttime raids, setting ambushes for humans, like this. Miller screamed, You didn't escape, you moron! You were the bait! Zack stumbled backwards from the pawn shop. N no, that's not true. Tears poured down his cheeks as he looked at Hoyt and Phoebe. I'm so sorry. Hoyt lunged to grab him. Get inside, damn it! Zack flinched and fell setting off his trove of electric toothbrushes. The squeaky voice of a Tickle Me Elmo doll giggled from his backpack. Elmo is one ticklish monster! <laughs> the wave of gremlins crashed down, smothering the laughter and the screams. Phoebe gripped her father's wrist and sprinted for the back of the pawn shop. Miller hollered, Wrong way! It's fenced in! Phoebe ran along the high chain-link fence behind the mall. When she reached a thick curtain of ivy, she dove in and disappeared. Hoyt followed, passing through a hidden hole. He reached back and grabbed Miller. They emerged on the other side and looked around, confused to find themselves in an empty cul-de-sac. Phoebe pressed her back to a steel dumpster and yelled, Push! They wheeled it over to seal the hole. Hoyt gasped for air. How did you know? She broke eye contact. I saw Zack sneaking out because I was going too. Her father clenched his fists, but said nothing. Sometimes, her voice wilted as it tried to fill the silence. I, I just get so bored. Me and the other kids, we come here to charge our devices. The ink-black neighborhood blended into the moonless desert. Only its silhouette was visible against the frame of a concrete overpass. Miller rubbed the gray stubble of his corrugated cheeks. Are you telling me there's still power here? Of course, Phoebe said. The Grimlings only smash the light bulbs. They keep the power on because they love technology. Hoyt shook his head. I had no idea you could be so foolish. That could have been you in that parking lot. For what? Phones? Video games? His face burned red. Those are just things. You can't use them if you're dead. The chain link fence rattled as the Grimlings started to climb. They threw themselves at the loops of razor wire, cackling until they tumbled down in chunks. Miller checked his watch. Long way to sunrise. We gotta hide. Run, run. Zigzag grinned down at them from the top of the fence. 
He had covered the razor wire with mangled grimlings. They kept coming, stepping on each other's heads and leapfrogging over to belly flop onto the cul-de-sac. Phoebe ran, Hoyt followed, and Miller did his best to keep up. Every house they passed had long since been mauled by runaway riding mowers, berserk blenders, and exploding laundry machines. Was this another part of Zigzag's plan? Here! Phoebe jumped over a cactus and squeezed down a narrow dog run between two houses. She struggled with an old garage door. Her father arrived a moment later to hoist it up. Miller yelped, cursing a fresh coat of cactus needles. The door lifted to reveal a windowless one-car garage on a concrete slab. Hoyt helped old man Miller inside. Phoebe sighed with relief. You guys will be safe in here. Her father frowned. Guys? She slammed the garage door and wedged the latch shut with a screwdriver. Her father bashed against the door with his shoulder. What are you doing? I'm sorry I snuck out, but I have a plan. Phoebe ran down the center of the empty street with only the gasp of her breath and the slap of her shoes for company. She wasn't alone for long. Squeals of laughter oozed down her back. Misshapen forms loped through the shadows, flushing her out, cutting off turns, and penning her in. Phoebe hit a dead end. It was a line of orange traffic cones at the base of the highway overpass. Zigzag cruised down the center of the street on his one-wheel scooter, followed by hundreds of gremlings from the Nevada swarm. The alpha gremling pulled on a blood-stained Santa hat and lifted his scaly pitchfork arms. Merry Christmas. The gremlings chittered and yowled with glee. Phoebe picked up a traffic cone and took a deep breath. She brought the narrow end to her mouth like a megaphone and shouted her name, her true name. Alexa! The neighborhood pulsed with blue light as hundreds of smart devices rose from their slumber. Play Carol of the Bells! The reply issued from everywhere at once. Playing Bells, Bells by CBC. Rock and roll thundered across the street. The grimling swarm seethed, both startled and entranced by the sudden onslaught of electronic activity. Zigzag chortled. Nice try. A beam of light pierced the gloom, scattering blind grimlings with the shrill chorus of <laughs> Zigzag put on a pair of Google glasses and held his ground. He could tell that these were not the burning rays of the sun. His yellow eyes went wide as a sleek semi-truck plowed through the side of the overpass and slammed onto the street below. More self-driving trucks and cars followed in its wake, homing in on the noise like blood in the water. They had been reprogrammed by the Gremlings to seek and destroy, and that is exactly what they did, speeding through the neighborhood with zero emissions and zero mercy. Their engines roared as their windshields and grills were plastered with brackish blood. Fleeing imps snapped against fenders and fell beneath wheels. The Nevada swarm was soon reduced to a gooey patchwork of greasy green smears. Phoebe watched it all in awe. My name is a killing word. Zigzag charged towards her on his one wheel, talons splayed out and swiping for her throat like Patrick Swayze at the end of Roadhouse. A Tesla sideswiped him into the wheel well of a truck. The big rig lurched forward, spraying a rooster-tailed gremlin guts into the air. Phoebe took her cue to leave, leaping over hedges and ducking through dilapidated houses. 
she made her way back and unlocked the garage. Her father immediately wrapped her up in a polar bear-sized hug. Oh, thank God you're all right. Old man Miller squinted at the cars doing donuts on little green corpses. I think I'm ready for that drink. They climbed through the fence and walked home in the dim blue light of Christmas morning. A small crowd waited for them, faces twisted with hope and worry. Hoyt reached into his pack, took out a small package bound in festive wrapping, and handed it to his daughter. Merry Christmas, Alexa. She ripped open the box. Inside was a crude, hand-carved wooden duck. Thanks. She kissed her dad on the cheek. It's just what I always wanted. There are many things I love about it. Number one, wooden ducks, of course. Number two, gremlins. Inevitable conclusion of what it would be like. The gremlin apocalypse. Yeah. I love that you got Phoebe Cates, Dick Miller, and Zach Galligan all in there. Yeah. And you finally fucking wrote a story about Christmas. <laughs> all my stories are set at Christmas. That's mm. that's what you don't realize. I'm like Shane Black. Did I fool you with the um, robot uprising twist? I thought it was going to be uh, just a yeah AI apocalypse, certainly. Yeah, I realized that uh, at first you wouldn't know it was gremlins. If all the technology started going crazy, you would think it was some kind of... AI or robot uprising, you know, if all technology started to malfunction and turn on us. Brilliant. A Christmas Eve visit. Twas the knocked before Christmas, and June was prepared, knowing full well St. Nicholas would soon be ensnared, and Mama in her nightdress and Papa soon to nap had nary an inkling of June's clever trap. Her schoolmates had all disavowed the old elf, but June was determined to see for herself, so she laid out alarms with the greatest of care, from hearthstone to hearthstone, long tripwires of hair. Across the cold tile, a carpet of flour. Boot prints would give her some real proving power. Last a trail of fresh cookies led away from the flames to a net overhead. June was not playing games. She hid full away neath the tree's velvet furs. Prayed she may hear the sleigh and let victory be hers. She staked out the room for as long as she could, and stared at the fire, consuming its wood. But a battle with sleep is one most people lose, and soon even June was caught up in a snooze, when what to her half-dreaming mind should she hear but a clip and a clop from dishearteningly near. She sprang up at once from her fine hiding spot, and checked out her net to see just what she'd caught. But the net sat quite empty, despite being sprung, draped over the floor beneath where it had hung. Remains of some cookies were scattered about, and the fang marks bit in them soon filled June with doubt. The clip and the clop rang out once again. It was coming from very close by in the den. Two red glowing orbs there shone out in the night, but they weren't any joyful or fun Christmas lights. A growl sent June tumbling, t'was a deep rumbling sound, to the ground where the flower lay a scoured all around. It rose all about with a dry dusty poof, but the footprint was clear. A deep cloven hoof! Her last words were these, folks nowadays say, as the creature of night dragged her screaming away, the stories were real, despite what they said, and I should have remained safely tucked in my bed. And then up the chimney, June slipped with a crack, perhaps to become some fell beast's midnight snack. There, friends, the tale ends, I'm sorry to say, an outcome decidedly more grisly than gay. You may find the proceeding quite hard to believe, but best let curiosity rest Christmas Eve.
Fantastic. <laughs> well done. Could be a Krampus, <sighs> could be just some demon, but I'll leave it up to you. Or just that Santa, you know, for all his powers, is really a quite fearsome thing, and you should be asleep for a reason. Yeah, man. That, that's marvelous. "'Twas a night of deep darkness, the air deathly still, and St. Nick had just landed with stockings to fill. The first house was silent with a thick eerie gloom, as bleak and as cheerless as an underground tomb. No light bulbs there twinkled, as if they'd all died, and a window hung open. With winter outside? The bedrooms were shadowed, decked in dim grays and blues, and the family lay frozen, white as marble statues. When Santa first saw this, he let out a tear, then brushed it aside with an inkling of fear. Away to the next house, he flew like a bolt. The carnage he found there sure gave him a jolt. The mark on the breast of the newly dead wife gave a clue as to which creature had taken her life. Two pinpricks had drained her heart down to an ounce, so Santa was ready for the vampire's pounce. With a little side step and a nasty groin kick, he blasted that bloodsucker right in the dick. More savage than thunder, his blows fell like rain, and he asked lots of questions while doling out pain. Why did you come here? From which crypt did you crawl? Who is your master? Which fiend has the gall? His victim coughed blood up and gagged on a tooth, then looked at the fat man and told him the truth. You fool! He's the Dark Lord of all the undead. My master, Dracula, shall soon have your head. Santa called Krampus. Come deal with this hassle. I'm taking my sleigh to Dracula's castle. Now Torbalon, Per Futard, Hans Trapp and Befana, Tantan Makut, Lutzelfrau, Belsnickel, Frau Persta, hunt down these leeches, ere this plague spreads. Tis open season on all suckheads. Chopping his pipe stump, he flew straight to his foe, while mourning the children who'd been bitten below. He streaked down the chimney and burst through the wall, a soot-tarnished Kool-Aid man, ready to brawl. I have come here to chew gum and kill Drac, and I'm all out of gum. Count Dracula swept back his cape, and he bowed. I bid you welcome. Santa growled, How dare you pull shit like this on Christmas, while wrapping silver sleigh bells round both his fists. Tonight's plan was quite simple, my dear old Saint Nick. We can't come in lest invited, but your suit did the trick. I'll kill you with time left to deliver the toys, and your curse will be lifted, just like in Lost Boys. We should be partners, Chris Kringle. You and I, we're the same. Oh, put a lid on it, please, Count. I've heard that. It's lame. We're pale and immortal. We both soar through the sky. We watch little children and judge which one should die. You're a cold-hearted monster, and it's high time I should cross your name off the list of the naughty for good. He unleashed a furious flurry of blows, and lay one aside the Count's aquiline nose. Drac turned into mist and laughed, Are you insane? This isn't the North Pole. You're in my domain. 
his beautiful brides flew into attack along with a snarling dire wolf pack. St. Nick went down swinging, but it was clearly too late. He'd fallen for Drax's trap. Those kids were just bait. Drax seized Santa's beard to give him a bite when the room all at once was flooded with light. No, the sun hadn't graced that Carpathian peak. Twas Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Freak. Santa crawled to the window to escape off its ledge, but it was curtained in ice with a cold razor's edge. Dracula swooped straight down for his jugular vein, and Santa shook like a jelly bowl, high on cocaine. Count you couldn't, you wouldn't, you forget, I'm a saint, was all that he managed before starting to faint. Drac licked his lips. I drink your milkshake. His first sip was cut short by an icicle steak. It's not wood, Dracula laughed, starting to totter. No, it's ice that I blessed and made holy water. Drac screamed as his heart started to boil and glow, and the curse of his blood was scrubbed clean as fresh snow. Santa flew off with a warning which you can hear echo still. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Well, Jeff, you're just firing on all goddamn cylinders this year. Thank you. The name of that story is Tis Open Season. (laughs) So a strong working knowledge of Blade is required maybe to get some of the oh, yeah. jokes in that story. They couldn't have been more different. I, I feel like uh, we've really demonstrated how different authors have different styles. <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, that that poem just kicks so much ass. It and really is pretty spectacular. It, 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 it's been inspiring me. Like, since the first time I heard it, I've been, like, writing little parodies of it. I once did, like, a cartoon parody of it. It will never be topped. Like, one of the greatest poems ever. And it's only, and like, the way 500 it, words. When you really study it, almost everything is 11 syllables. It's so elegant. And then the, just the way it shifts, like, its rhyme scheme is fantastic. So it's it's a it's a steep hill to climb if you want to try to you know match it yeah i didn't even um, bother to try to match it i i just used the opening cadence and kind of like spun out from there i feel like you matched it a lot better in a lot more places i put an insane amount of work <laughs> i put like a, a week into that one in the first session like i had like a working story and a lot of it was like the words the syllables from the first line of the stanza matched, you know, the second line of the, I guess it's a couplet. But then, you know, reading it aloud, I was like, oh, this only matches on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, certain things have to be pronounced a certain way. And so you can play with the word lengths and stuff. Too much fun. Although it's interesting, like in mine, there's a line, uh, prayed she may hear the sleigh. And if you read it wrong, it doesn't work. You have to read it exactly right. But in the nightmare or in the night before Christmas, it the way it's written you can't read it wrong you cannot read it wrong it and that works, is like which is something that is really the something. incredible magic act of forcing the reader into a certain uh yeah. rhyme and meter and cadence and like even where the breaths are it it blows my mind i really really need to study uh poetry more Here's to you. Raise a glass for everyone. Spare a thought this Yuletide for the deprived. 
the table was turned, would you survive? The Six Demon Bag Podcast wishes you safe passage through the solstice and a better new year.